You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Good morning. Um, just like fair warning, if I cry, you guys just pretend, if it's like ugly cry, just pretend like you're not seeing it, okay? Uh, thank you. Um, okay, so I'm Houston. Uh, I was, um, up until three days ago, uh, an elder here at the Vine. Um, still here, though. Uh, now, uh, wife and I are transitioning, as you guys know, to Eastside Church. Um, last week, I preached at Eastside as an elder of the Vine. This week, I'm preaching at the Vine as an elder of Eastside. So we're doing kind of a fun flip-flop here. Um, and, and the reason why we're, I'm here right now for this sermon that we're preaching is that we're still in the Madison Multiply series. In fact, the very end of the Madison Multiply series, and I know that I'm the fifth guy here, and I know that you've heard this four other times, but I'm going to say the same spiel probably that they did. Um, I love that we do this every year. I, I love, as somebody who sits and hears the preaching, I love to get to hear from uh, you know, Ben and Nate, whom I don't usually get to hear preaching, and I love, um, you know, this opportunity to build connections at other churches, and, and I think this series, you know, it makes so much sense because uh, it, it makes sense that we um, would maintain and grow these relationships between our three churches, between our, our small family of churches, because I think it's, you know, it's a beautiful thing when churches in an area work together because we have a shared goal of seeing our city transformed by the gospel. And, you know, we can do amazing things for the kingdom that way. Amen? And and this year, our preaching series, you know, is all about learning evangelism from Jesus. Because we believe that the best thing that could happen in our city, the best thing that could happen in Madison, Wisconsin, is that people are transformed by the gospel. And we believe that the way people are going to be transformed by the gospel is if they have an encounter with Jesus. And we believe that because, you know, when we read the gospels, we see time and again when people meet Jesus, they always walk away changed in some way. You know, you can't be neutral when you have a genuine encounter with Jesus. And so our hope is that by studying his interactions with people that didn't know him, that we can learn how to better point people to him. So that's a vision for this Madison Multiply preaching series, and specifically our vision for today. Today we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus had with a man named Levi. And we're going to see how this very short encounter completely changed Levi's life. And we're going to see is that the heart of this is really there's one very simple reason why Levi's life was changed. And it's that when he encountered Jesus, on the most basic level, Levi's life was changed because Jesus called Levi. And so this passage is a story about Jesus going out of his way to find somebody. And when he finds that guy, he says to him two words. He gives, he gives him a two-word call. He says, follow me. And then Levi's whole life has changed. So we're going to look at this story. And we're going to see what does it mean for Jesus to call 
We're going to see who he calls. We're going to see what is the call. And finally, we're going to see why does Jesus call. So again, we're going to look today at the call. We're going to see who does Jesus call, what is Jesus' call, and why does Jesus call. So let's pray. Lord, we just, we just pray that as we sit under your word and we read your word and we read about Jesus interacting with Levi, uh, I pray that like Levi had an encounter with you, Jesus, that we could have genuine encounters with you and that you would transform our lives. And as we walk away from here, that we'd be people shaped and changed by having met you, Jesus. I pray that in this time that you would bless us as we try to sit under your word, shape us, guide us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be glorifying to you, Lord, our God and Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, the first thing we look at is who Jesus met. So look at the first part of verse 25 with me. We're in Luke 5, 27 through 32. So look at this first part of 27 with me. So after this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. So you see Jesus meets a guy named Levi. And if you've been around the church for a little while, maybe you've read your Bible a little bit before, you've heard people talk about or heard stories about tax collectors. And I think this is an easy detail to kind of gloss over or, or shortcut. Because I think, you know, I don't know about you, but, but when I think of a tax collector... Certain images really pop to mind, right? Come to mind. You know, maybe you think about someone who works at the ARS or someone who works at a toll booth on the highway or, um, you know, we just bought a house recently. Uh, when, we, when we owned our home back in, in Missouri, we would get letters periodically from the assessor, you know? He wants me to tell him how much my house is worth so that we can owe more in taxes later on down the year. Like you guys know, like maybe this is what you think of. When you think of tax collectors, and the truth is that actually those three are not far off from what like a first century tax collector would be. We have a lot of information about tax collecting from the first century, um, and it turns out they had kind of one of each of those equivalents in the first century. Uh, but we don't know exactly what kind of tax collector Levi was. We don't know exactly that. But most likely... Levi was like the equivalent of a toll booth operator. And I think this is really interesting because one thing that we'll see at the very end of the passage uh, at the end in verses 30, verse 30, if you want to look at that real quick, it says, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. And so it, it's interesting because we know that Levi is a tax collector and we know that he's disliked inherently for being a tax collector. And I think that's interesting because when we think about tax collectors in the 21st century, my guess is that we don't have the kind of base level animosity that they did. I mean, think about this. Like, when I'm driving in Illinois 
on the tollways. And I get stopped all 24 times and pay my $60 in tolls to get across the state. Like, at no point in the process am I so angry at the person working the booth, right? Like, I'm mad at the system. I'm mad at maybe there's corruption, whatever. Like, but, like, at no point am I just, like, so angry at the person in the booth. It's like, can you imagine we're at, like, a dinner party, right? And a friend of a friend is there. They say, hey, you know, where are you from? Oh, I'm from just outside Illinois, or just outside Chicago. So, oh, cool, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a toll booth operator. And it's like, I stand up and, like, throw my wine in his face and, like, push up, right? Like, that would be buck wild, right? I mean, I, I don't think any, maybe you do, but I don't think any of us really feel this hostility towards the person here, right? But the truth is, in the first century, these tax collectors... We're not often just doing their jobs. In a sense, they were going, you could say, above and beyond the call. So they would collect the tolls, like something like Matthew would collect tolls from farmers coming into town to sell goods. And then they would take a little extra off the top. So it's like the equivalent of this toll booth operator. And he's got a sign that says, you know, $5 for a two-axle car. And it's like he crosses that out and writes $10. And then he takes the extra five and pockets it. And then puts the five for the toll in the coffer or whatever. So you get what I'm getting at here? In the first century, these tax collectors were notorious for overcharging taxes and tolls. And essentially made their living collecting above and beyond what was due Rome. And so not only are they working on behalf of Rome, the enemy the captor, the oppressor, but they're profiting off of poor farmers for personal gain. And so really, is there any surprise that the Pharisees and the scribes, they don't like this guy named Levi? Remember what I said, the main idea we're focusing on is the call, right? Well, friends, this is the first important thing that we see today, is that Jesus called Levi, a tax collector of all people. I mean, this, that verse that we just read, verse 30, we saw, talked about the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And we see that Jesus is at dinner with uh, Matt Levi and his other friends. And it's like if we looked at the story and we thought, who of all of these people is most likely to be the center of the story, most likely to be the people that Jesus goes towards, the people most likely to be called by Jesus, we would think maybe it's the Pharisees. It's these guys who focus their whole life on trying to live God's law well. Or maybe it would be the scribes, these guys who their job is just to copy down the Torah, the, the law. They love the law. But no, what we saw in verse 27 is that, Matthew, that Jesus walks up to a toll booth and he sees Levi, a tax collector, sitting there. And he calls him. And Levi's sitting there, pockets full of other people's money, and he hears the two words, follow me. I'm going to keep reading here. In verse 27, Jesus said, follow me. In verse 28, 
It says, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Guys, this, this is the buck wild thing in this passage. This is the craziest thing that you're going to hear today. Is Jesus walks up to Levi, and the powerful thing we see is that when he calls Levi to follow him, Levi does. He gets up, and he follows. It's powerful because Jesus called Levi a tax collector. And, and, and it's powerful because Levi didn't fit the bill. He was not the religious elite. He was not the person that loved the law. You know, we've seen Jesus meet people who are sick and, and broken and hurting. We've seen him love people who were outcast because of disease. We've seen him show mercy to the poor and needy. But friends, Levi was none of those. He was not a single one of those. He was not poor. He was very wealthy from other people's money. He was not needy. He was actually very much in a position of power. He was not sick. He could afford the best doctors. He was not marginalized. He had an ear with Rome. Friends, this guy was hated. And for good reason. But that doesn't change that Jesus still went to Levi and called him. Friends, we see in this passage that Jesus calls all kinds of people to follow him, even tax collectors. And so I think the thing for us to think about is like, who are our equivalents of tax collectors today? Who, who is this equivalent? Who, who is someone who is powerful, wealthy, hated maybe for not bad reasons, so politicians, gang leaders, people who traffic other people, dirty cops who use their power and position for selfish gain. The list goes on, right? You know, we, we love to talk about how Jesus loves the poor and the needy, the orphan and the widow, and he does, and it's so beautiful. Does it make you maybe a little upset, a little uncomfortable that Jesus loves the dirty cops and the crooked politicians? Jesus loves the gang leaders. And I think that's good because it means we're paying attention. So we've seen who Jesus calls. He calls Levi, a tax collector, the worst of the worst. But what does he call Levi to do? You know, if we're going to learn about evangelism from Jesus, and we see that Jesus calls, okay, so what does Jesus call? What does he call Levi to do? Like I said earlier, man, this, I think this is the beauty of the passage. This is, this is the, it's so good. He says to Levi two words, follow me. You know, I want you, I want you to see Let me read this again. In verse 27, he says, he sees Levi sitting in a tax booth, and he says to him, follow me. Do you notice that it doesn't say, Levi, go get your life together, and then meet me at church on Sunday? Do you know, it doesn't say, Levi, do you want to know five ways to win friends and influence people? 
Levi, do you want a religion that's going to make you feel better, feel more confident, feel peace at nights? No. The only thing that he says to Levi is follow me. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to be reminded. Oftentimes, I need to be reminded that what Jesus calls people to do is to follow him. You know, I think about evangelism sometimes, I think it's like trying to sell people on Christianity as a religion. Like, like I need to have all the answers to the questions, or I need to think through all the ways that Christianity might impact their lives. Or maybe I need to present the gospel in such a faithful way that, that it, it shows them that they have a need for a Savior. I mean, those are good things. It's good to think about who's listening. It's good to think about how to communicate. Well, those are, those are all good things. But that is not what we see in this passage. Jesus doesn't approach Levi and say, Levi, do you want a personal relationship with God? He doesn't give Levi a track with the steps of salvation. All good things. Jesus sees Levi sitting in a tax collector booth and he says, follow me. And friends, like I said, the the wildest part about this passage is that he does. He gets up. Levi gets up and walks away from the booth. And that is so important. That is so key here. Because when we look at what Jesus called Levi to do, it was simple. It was to follow him. But that does not mean it's small or easy. Jesus called to Levi was to follow Jesus and leave everything else behind. This call was not simply, hey, Levi, come spend some time with me this weekend, and then come Monday, you go back to your booth and carry on with your life. This was a radical call for Levi to give up everything and follow Jesus. I mean, think about it. Jesus comes to Levi... And he's sitting at the booth, right? This is like the symbol of his corruption and, and, and power and manipulation. Like, like the booth is the image of Levi's corruption. And it's powerful because he calls Levi to follow him and he leaves everything behind. So as we think about learning evangelism from Jesus, let me ask you this. What are you calling people to? What are we calling people to? Are we making it too complicated? Are are we expecting people to get their lives together before they can meet Jesus? Do Do we think about evangelism like bringing a boyfriend or girlfriend home to meet our parents? Do you know when you're like, you first bring someone home and you stop outside the door and you have like the conversation. Okay, here are all the things that you can say and here are the things you absolutely cannot say. You cannot call me this. You cannot talk about that. Politics is off the table. You know, it's like, I think sometimes we treat Jesus like the parent that we're bringing someone home to. You know, how often do we treat evangelism like, like pre-game holiness, right? Like people need to be at dress rehearsal before they come to the real show so they know their lines. But that's not it. Right? We want people to meet Jesus and have an encounter with him. We want Jesus to walk by them 
while they're out in their day, wherever that is. And we want him to call it to them with those same two words that he called the Levi with, follow me. It's a simple call, friends. But man, at the same time, are we minimizing the difficulty of this call? Do we go out and say, yeah, follow Jesus, and then everything is going to be good? Do we tell people you can follow Jesus, but you don't have to give up this thing? You don't have to give up that broken part of your life? Do we tell people they can come as they are, which they can, but then not tell them that you don't stay as you are? You know, Jesus himself, he warns us against this. Later on in Luke 14, he says this. In verse 20, he says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? And then later on, he says, verse 33, So therefore, any of you who, cannot, who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Friends, I don't know if you caught that, but those are high costs. Yes, the call is simple, but man, the call is costly. It costs Levi his career, probably his livelihood. Who knows what else it costs costs him in the end. So the question is, why did he do it? Why does Levi... Leave everything he has to follow Jesus. And the answer is that, really, Levi understood something that I think I don't always, maybe a lot of us don't always understand. I'm going to read the rest of our passage today. Starting in verse 29. It says, And Levi made him a great feast in his house, And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes, they grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do you see those last two lines? Like, can you, can you imagine this scene? You're a Levi, and you meet this guy, Jesus. Your life's completely changed. And you love him, immediately love him. And you invite him over to your house, and you invite all of your best friends over to your house. Everyone you know. And then some religious people, they see it, and they're grumbling, and they're angry. Ugh, I can't believe you would eat with those people. And then Jesus says, in the middle of your dinner party, to the outside religious people, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. It's like, Jesus, did you just call me and my friends sick at my party? But man, Luke doesn't tell us that Levi responds this way. And in fact, as the passage goes on, it turns out, it seems like the party's going stronger now. Like, they're having a better time after this happens. It's because for Levi... To be called sick and in need of a doctor or a sinner in need of repentance, this is not a confusing idea for him. I mean, there is no way that a guy who has made his living 
extorting the people around him for as long as he has, is questioning whether or not something is broken inside of himself. I mean, look at who he invites over to the party. It's other tax collectors. The other guys who are also wealthy, corrupt, hated. They all know that they were sick. I mean, Jesus was compelling to them, not because he came into the party and said, oh, no, you're so, you're good the way you are. No. Jesus was compelling to them because they knew they were sick and he was the doctor. Friends, I don't know if you ever think about it this way. Sometimes I can think about the gospel as if it's, I can almost think about it like it's not good news. Like, like the core message of the gospel I'm telling someone is that they're messed up and can't fix themselves. And that, you know, that doesn't feel like good news. But that's not the good news, Right? No, the, the good news is not that the people are sick. The good news is that the doctor has come. Man, that is great news to hear that the doctor is here when you're sick. You know, my, my family and I, we've had a lot of run-ins with the doctor the last couple of months. Uh, so on June 19th, Kinsey went into early labor. Uh, and uh, Stella was born six weeks early. And as she was being set up in one of the birthing suites, you know, all the nurses uh, and, and doctor, they come in and they start to tell us about what to expect when Stella comes. And they told us that with how early Stella was going to be, that more likely than not, we would spend time in the NICU until her due date. So, so six weeks. And we were devastated. I mean, you guys, some of you guys know what this is. Like, you know this experience. You know how painful it is to be told that your, your baby's going to spend, you know, upwards of six plus weeks in the NICU. And, and, you know, spend part of their time in the incubator and you've got all the cords hooked up to them. And, and we, were, we were crushed by that news. But more specifically, we were crushed to know that our our baby, whom we hadn't met yet, was not going to be okay. She was going to be sick in a way. But friends, I can't tell you how sweet it was every time that a nurse or doctor came in and told us that that she's weighing, her her weight is, is increasing, that she's growing can't tell you how much we celebrated when they say that she's, she's progressing, she's making progress. And man, I can't tell you how much we cried when we found out that she was going to get to come home with us. And friends, that, that was the good news. We knew Stella was sick. We knew she was not well. But the good news is that she had good doctors and nurses to care for her. And then eventually... She got to come home with us. You know, this, this is the picture of Jesus calling. Jesus is the doctor calling to sick patients, telling them that he is the great physician who can heal them of all 
of the sickness of their sins and fix all of their brokenness. And friends, Levi understood that. He understood that he was sick and in need of a doctor. He knew that he was a sinner in need of repentance. And that is why he answered Jesus' call. So if we want to know what it looks like to do evangelism like Jesus, it means we go out into a world which is so full of sick and broken people, sinners in need of repentance, people like you and me, and we point them to the one who calls, Jesus, who calls them to get up and follow him. We need to point them to Jesus, the great physician, who heals them of the sickness of sin by dying on the cross for their sins and raising to life so that they can too. We need to show them Jesus. Learning evangelism from Jesus means that we are pointing sick people to the great physician. And I think there's a really beautiful picture here. The good news is that Jesus is the kind of doctor that makes house calls. Right? In Revelation 3.20, it says this, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Friends, the picture is Jesus is at the door knocking. He's the Lord who calls us to follow him. He's the Savior who comes in and eats with the lowest and the highest, the best and the worst. He's the great physician who has healed the world by his own broken body. And do you notice the passage doesn't say that you're standing at the door knocking, trying to get into Jesus. No, Jesus comes to us. He's at the door, knocking, asking to come in. And like Levi, he pursues us, because he's the doctor that seeks out the sick. As as I've thought about this sermon, which is my last sermon here at the Vine as an elder, more or less, um, you know, I, I've, wanted, I, I've wanted to have something, like, special to say. Or, or maybe some, you know, beautiful wisdom that I could leave with. But I don't, I don't think I have any of that today. I think what I've reflected on from my time here at the Vine, and in this passage, is really this. You know, we, Kinsey and I have experienced a lot of healing here at the Vine. We've walked through some of the darkest and most painful seasons of our lives here. We've worked through sin and pain from our past here, and we've had the hardest things happen to us here. And when I think about all of these things, I'm struck with a very simple idea. is that we have seen God's goodness most clearly in that healing. I'm convinced more and more every day that the best character to be in this passage is Levi. Because in this passage, only he experienced the full goodness 
and love of Jesus. And it was directly connected to his own sinfulness and sickness and his recognition of that. Friends, I praise the Lord that Jesus is the doctor that comes for the sick. I praise him that he is the Lord who comes and calls sinners to repentance. Because that is me. And that means that Jesus wants me. And I praise the Lord that Jesus did not wait until I got ready to come knocking on his door. I praise the Lord that he did not sit and wait for, in heaven for me to find my own way to him. I praise the Lord that Jesus is the one at the door knocking. So let's go out and let's share that truth with the world. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the good physician. Because I know that I'm sick, and I know that we have a sick world. We praise you that your life, death, resurrection, and ascension are good news for a dying and hurting world. Lord, we look so eagerly ahead to the day when we will get to participate in the family meal with you in heaven at the Father's table. We just pray that in this time that we could be people who point others to you like sick people who know the doctor. We pray that we would not make it too complicated, but that we would recognize the difficulty, the costliness of following you. And then ultimately we would see that there's nothing better than to do that. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.